who? I'm looking around. I don't, do I know? Is there someone I don't know? Our guest speaker is one of our own. And uh, this, this man approached me months ago and said, Greg, I think God may have given me a message to bring on a Sunday. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Let me pray about it. Let's meet. We talked. We, I listened to what was on his heart. And you know what? I've been sitting on it, just kind of waiting, because this is, this is sometimes what I do, right? I just wait and say, God, you're going to show me when. And, and about a month ago, I went back to him and said, you know what? I, I, think that, I think the time is coming. And we started to talk some more. So this morning, I'm, I'm very pleased and very proud to uh, introduce Jason Cyrusen as our guest speaker this morning. Give Jason a Shiloh welcome. Greg, Let's see if I can get these all over here. So yeah, as uh, Greg said, I'm Jason Syverson. I'm excited to share what uh, God was putting on my heart. Um, although I'll admit I didn't share this first service, but I, uh, when I told Greg, I was like, I don't really actually want to preach, but I feel like God is telling me I should tell you an ad about this, and it's in your, your court now. I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you. And of course, they were like, no, no, yeah, you should do that. I was like, all right, I, I will be obedient. I didn't want to run for Senate last year either, but it was like Jonah going to Nineveh. And I was like, well, I know how it goes if you try to go to Japheth, so I guess we're going to Nineveh. Sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed uh, something I'm, I've been excited about and what God has been showing me, and, and I'm excited to share. Uh, so last week, Greg was sharing about Mary and Martha and going through faith-challenging experience and watching their brother die. And Jesus say, oh, don't worry, um, he's just sleeping, he's going to be fine. He dies, and wondering, you know, is God late? And his timing isn't our timing. And I'm, I'm going to kind of follow on to that and talk about how uh, the challenges we go through are actually things that build our faith. And, and something in my own life and my wife and other people, how those situations that challenge our faith can actually be the things that end up building our faith um, as we look back and we see how God has been moving through that time. So really the goal is to help change our mindset uh, to get away from always praying to be delivered from a situation and rather to be excited uh, in the middle of that and to pray and say, God, what are you trying to teach me in the middle of this? How do you want to use me uh, to impact the people around you? Uh, So if you'll join me in prayer, we're just going to pray over the message. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for this Memorial Day weekend and this time we have to remember uh, those who have given their lives for our country. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity we have to worship together and to get together as believers and to hear from your word and your scripture. I just pray you'd use me to to share uh, your message uh, with the people here and online. Uh, Thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our community, our country. We give you all the glory and praise and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to anchor, uh, start off with kind of the anchor verse, which is, uh, comes out of James, which is, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. And then in, in Romans it says, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So the question I have is uh, how many people um, consider it pure joy or celebrate when they're going through uh, tri- trials and tribulations? Show of hands. All the people that jump up and down. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat. I used to read that verse when I was younger, and I'd be like, consider it great joy. Or I'm like, I'm not there. And definitely when I was younger, I would just whine and complain or cry when going through difficult times. 
And uh, I'm excited to report after almost 40 years in uh, my faith, I'm at the point now where I don't whine and complain as much, and I just am accepting of the situations and, and looking to see what God is doing. And I hope that by the time I'm Jerry's age that I am celebrating with great joy when I get to the point of trials and tribulations. But I think this is one of those long-term growth, uh, growth messages. So the Bible talks about um, actually celebrating, and there's more verses even to that, to that theme. Um, and it's not because we're crazy masochists and we just enjoy pain and suffering, but it's really because we're excited that God is going to do something in our lives. And we know that that's happening as soon as that adversity comes. Something is, is happening, right? When you're sitting on the couch watching TV... Not a whole lot of spiritual action going on there, but when you find out that someone has cancer, that you've lost your job, that something's going on, that's a sign that something's going to be happening, and it's going to impact you and the people around you. So uh, I've got a little humor here from Calvin and Hobbes, which was a childhood favorite of mine. Uh, So Calvin is there camping with his father, and his dad says, ta-da, we're here, and Calvin's not excited about this camping trip, so he's like, good old itchy island, home of the nuclear mosquitoes. His dad says, bug bites build character. And uh, as he says about most negative things, and uh, Calvin's like, yeah, last time you said diarrhea builds character. <laughs> so his dad says, so think what a fine young man you're going to grow up to be. And Ca- Calvin's like, yeah, if all this character building doesn't kill me first. So then he says, uh, this reminds me, get out the duffel bag and uh, get out the spam. And so Calvin says, if the canoe isn't here in the morning, it means Hobbs and I struck out for home. So a uh, question I had is, how many of us had a father or mother when we were kids who was like Calvin's dad and uh, would point out all the character-building opportunities you had when you were mowing the yard or doing the dishes, um, which I know is a favorite of my children? Um, or as parents, do you say that to your kids and say, hey, this is an opportunity for character-building? But the question I have is, do we actually believe that, right? When you're in the middle of adversity and difficult times, you actually believe hey, this is an opportunity for building character that I'm actually going to grow as a person. Pain receptors exist in our body to tell us that something is unpleasant. Um, So we run away and you don't do that, right? You touch a hot stove, your body actually causes a sensation of pain to prevent you from continuing to burn yourself. And people who don't have pain receptors, you know, end up uh, with massive problems because they just don't realize the harm they're causing. But they also can be a sign in your body, not that you need to run away or stop doing something, but that something is happening. So if you're exercising, uh, when COVID happened, uh, I used to play basketball a lot. When COVID happened, that all ended, so I decided to start lifting. And every time, every morning you go down to the gym and, and been doing it with my wife, you go down, you're voluntarily inflicting pain and suffering on yourself, right? You're lifting up heavy things which hurt, and you keep doing that until it hurts so much you just can't do it anymore, and you give up. But what happens is, that's actually uh, a sign that muscles are, are being torn, and when they grow back, they grow back stronger. So you end up in a position where you are uh, better off after, afterwards. So trials can build your character. God, God wants to use trials to uh, build and mold us, but we have to depend on him uh, and, and pray and, and walk uh, with him and the Holy Spirit through that journey. Um, an important point I want to make is going through trials doesn't automatically mean you're going to be a stronger person, right? It, it depends on how we respond to that challenge. You can allow Satan a foothold and walk away from your faith and just say, well, this is too hard, or God doesn't love me, or why would he allow hard things to happen? It doesn't mean you're going to get, become stronger and grow in character, um, but it is an opportunity to grow if you choose to, to let God work in your life. 
So uh, sharing a story in my own life, um, my wife and I felt called to have a larger family. And uh, so trying to have our first son, Caleb, uh, we ended up experiencing months of uh, infertility and, uh, and miscarriages. We finally had our son, then we had our daughter right away and no problems. Well, then we had more uh, months and years of infertility, um, three and a half years before we had our next daughter, three and a half years before we had our daughter, Ivory, um, multiple uh, miscarriages, infertility treatments, wondering what the plan was. And we also felt led to adopt. So then we started that process and uh, we tried to adopt out of Haiti, but they were closed for international adoptions. We went to Ghana, but they were, uh, the group we were talking to had been kicked out of Vietnam for human trafficking. So we gave up on that, went to South Africa. And they said, because we had four kids, we were willing to take kids with blindness or missing limbs. And they said, unless you're willing to take a quadriplegic or an HIV child, you're never going to get a placement because you already have four kids. So we did foster care. Uh, We were certified for four years. Never got a placement, a permanent placement, and uh, because we had four kids. And uh, so we keep trying. We're like, all right, God, what do you want us to do? What's next? And uh, we ended up uh, being trying to do a private domestic adoption. So we had a lawyer and got matched uh, with a young woman in Arizona. So we actually, uh, she said she wanted us to be there for the birth. So we flew to Arizona, stayed uh, uh, with some friends, uh, fam- family members, friends, and uh, ended up, uh, Bethany was having quiet time, and she felt like God said, just so you know, this isn't going to happen. And uh, so she starts panicking, looks the woman up on Facebook, and sees uh, decorated nursery pictures and a family all celebrating the birth of a child that came recently, and no one had called us. So we call the woman's lawyer, or we call our lawyer, and they're like, no, the baby hasn't been born yet. And uh, we tell her the story, call the woman's lawyer, both of whom we're paying for, of course. And the woman's lawyer is like, no, no, baby hasn't been born yet. Tell her the story. And uh, so she sends someone to the hospital, and uh, they, the birth mom tells them that, oh, yeah, she did have a child, and she changed her mind, and you know she forgot our phone number, so she didn't call us. So... We're devastated flying home, and that really led to a time of testing for both of us, but particularly my wife, who had felt so passionate and emotionally invested in this, and wondering, is God good? Does he love me? Right? We feel called to do something. We keep doing it and trying to stick our hand in, and the door keeps slamming on our arm, and we're like, why is this happening? What on earth is the point? Why are you allowing us to go through this? Why, is this, why are people doing that and lying and all the other things that are happening? And... Uh, it really, looking back on that, you know, we ended up, uh, someone came to us afterwards, um, actually through uh, Greg's wife, Meg, and uh, got a connection, and they said, hey, you guys are into adoption. Would you be willing to talk to a family member? That led to us adopting uh, our boys. And afterwards, uh, my wife wrote a book about the whole journey and how it challenged her faith, but then she was able to see God moving through that. And then that book has led to people talking to her about um, rededicating their life to the Lord because of our story and what happened. Um, So we didn't understand that at the time, but God had a plan, uh, which was clear to us after we got through the other side of that. So what are the purposes of adversity? You know, scripture says, and there's scripture for all these, which I didn't include for the purposes of time, but... Uh, they're included to test us, right? God wants us to know if we can be faithful with little things before he gives us big things, uh, to help us to grow in humility, in faith, uh, to remind us that we depend on him. Uh, sometimes it's to get our attention or to discipline us. I know there have been times in my life when everything's going great. I'll sometimes forget that I depend on God, and then the cage gets shaken a little bit, and I'm like, oh, right, what am I doing? i got to pray. i got to be focused in... Um, and, uh, and focus on God and not on uh, circumstances. 
Uh, sometimes it's to equip us to minister to others, and that's, that's not fun, but uh, a lot of times we might go through difficult times, so that way we can then be a blessing to others that are going through those same things down the road. You know, sometimes it's to display God's glory or power, which is what happens with Pharaoh, right? It clearly says God hardened his heart so that he could use that situation uh, to demonstrate his power. And I think sometimes it's important to point out that, you know, sometimes it happens not because God is intentionally wanting something to happen, but because there's evil in the world and we have free will and we have an enemy that seeks to kill, kill and destroy. So God will allow those things to happen and he will redeem those situations. He has a purpose and a plan for the people that are in that and he'll use that for his glory. Um, but it's not like he wants a serial killer running around doing those things, but he will take that situation and then turn that into something positive if we allow him to. So uh, what are we praying for in our lives? You know, are we sitting on the couch and wanting to watch TV all day and pray, God, just keep it like it is now. Don't disturb the status quo. Or do we uh, pray for growth to happen, right? The diagram on the right is a little hard to see, um, but you can see there's like before training, you've got the muscles and then you start lifting. You're actually creating micro tears in the muscles. And afterwards, what happens is the body says, okay, as I'm healing these tears, I need to come back stronger so that I'm equipped. So the next time this challenge happens, that I have more muscle to handle that. Uh, I broke my finger, uh, thanks to my friend Caleb Saller playing basketball, and when my bones heal back, it actually heals back stronger than it was originally. So if you ever break that finger again, it's going to break somewhere differently because the bones that grew back are stronger than the original bones because your body is preparing and recovering from that adversity. Um, I'd heard a great quote a while ago, which was stuck with me, where someone talked about praying for patience, and then shortly afterwards they find themselves stuck in a traffic jam. That's kind of how it works, right? When you pray for patience, God doesn't come out and sprinkle the magic patient pixie dust and whoop, oh, now I'm patient, right? That's not how it happens. Transformation happens because we we work at our faith um, with fear and trembling. It's an experiential thing that you pray for that, God's going to say, okay, here's an opportunity to actually start to practice patience. Now, what we do with that, if you start cursing and slamming the car and honking at drivers, you're probably not going to grow in patience. Um, but God is going to give you that opportunity. Um, it's what you do with it that is going to determine whether you grow and, and are used by him or not. So one of the things I want to talk about, too, is adversity has a spiritual context. So a lot of times it may be something like a medical condition or a job situation that, that is adversity. But sometimes it's also people. And it's important to remember that your adversary is not the person in front of you, but it's really a spiritual adversary and uh, a challenge we're fighting So I'm just going to read this verse out of uh, Ephesians. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So um, as we're going through this time, we want to keep uh, a spiritual mindset uh, as we're entering the, the battles that we're in and think about the armor of God to equip us to get through that. So we have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Um, and, and consider, try to look at the world and what's happening through a spiritual lens. So I want to share another great story about faith challenging to faith building. Uh, my friend Tom, who was like uh, my best friend in college, was in my wedding uh, moved down to Connecticut, and they were clearing out all the property behind his house that they had to sell. And he'd been vacationing in New Hampshire. And so my wife and I said, Tom, like, you guys should move to New Hampshire. And they prayed about it, started thinking about it, and really felt like that was the right place to go. 
So they started looking. He couldn't find a job up here, and they couldn't find a house because, of course, the housing market up here is insane. Uh, they had listed their house, and it goes on the market, and somebody's negotiating, and, uh, and they're getting close to a sale. And he's out kayaking with his son, and he gets the text that they accepted the negotiation. His house is now under, under uh, contract. And he starts panicking because he's like, look, I don't really like change. I feel like God is calling me to New Hampshire, but I don't have a job. I don't have a close family there. I don't have a place to stay. I'm going to be homeless in like 30 days. What's going on? Like, God, you're leading me in this direction, but it's not easy. It's not clear. I don't know what you're doing, but uh, am I supposed to be going this path or not? Like, what should I be doing next? And uh, I love this story. And he's, he's literally kayaking, praying to God. And he turns over and he looks over at the side of the, uh, on the road. And this is what he sees. Like, I don't know how many of you have had God speak so clearly in your life, but uh, I have not had a booming voice quite like that, but uh, that was pretty amazing. So after this experience, he said, okay, God, I guess you're pretty, he texts me this, which I'm like, that is the most amazing story ever. And uh, so he, um, they decided to go through with it. Issues with the sale all get resolved. They find an amazing house 100 yards from our house on our street. And uh, overlooking the mountains and incredible views. By the house, the guy lets them move their trailer there so they're on their property so their kids can start school. They've moved up. It's now like the best thing they can do. They've actually started coming to Shiloh before the uh, pandemic. Um, And so it's just kind of an amazing story where, again, it's not always obvious. When God calls you to do something, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy uh, or clear or obvious. But, you know, if you depend on him and continue to seek seek him in the middle of that, he'll guide you through that with uh, amazing outcome. So uh, sharing a couple more stories in my own life, um, I got to see God work uh, tremendously. Uh, We had moved up to Maine when I was younger, and uh, my dad was an engineer working for the paper mills. And when they all started shutting down, we went from, you know, middle income, having a job, uh, to uh, the bank took our house, and then we were renting and uh, moving around. We were actually homeless for a summer, lived in someone's pop-up camper in their backyard. Uh, A lot of times, we didn't have a lot of options for food or clothing, had holes in my socks and things like that. But through that time, you know, God was always with us, right? We never did go hungry. We always did have food. We always did have heat. We might have had heating assistance and welfare and government stuff and things like that, but the food was fine, and um, we never got to the point, you know, God will sometimes wait until the last minute, but he will always meet your needs and provide for you. Unfortunately, we got through a time uh, when I was in high school um, where my parents' faith was just weak, and they were having trouble depending on him for provision, and we were, it was a Monday, and uh, I hear them talking and and find out we're going to lose our house on Friday. We had finally gotten to the point where we were able to buy a house again. And, uh, and I was like, what are you guys doing? You know, what's the church doing? Have you talked to people? They said, no, we're not, we didn't tell anyone. Nobody cares. God doesn't care. It's over. You know, we're done. And, uh, you know, I still had that childlike faith, even though I was 17. I was like, that's crazy. Like, we've grown up in this church. We've seen God move. How can you just give up? And so I got my brother in my car for moral support. And I drove over to our pastor's house and said, you know, knocked on the door, scared stiff. I'm like trembling. And he comes over, he's like, yeah. I was like, hey, look, you know, we're, we're going to lose our house on Friday. And my parents think no one cares, and uh, God doesn't care, and, you know, this is inevitable. I'm like, and I don't believe that. Um, 
so he, he walks away and he comes back and he says, well, what do you guys need? And I said, it's $500. So he goes and writes a check for $500. He comes back and hands it to me and says, you know, please don't tell anyone I did this, but, you know, here you go. I go back to my parents' house. We didn't lose our house that Friday. And, you know, it was an important reminder to me that um, sometimes we don't have the faith to get through a situation on our own, but the people around us, whether it's a family member or the church, you know, can come in and, and step into the gap for you. And I was able to do that for my parents. And, uh, but it's also important to share the needs you have, right? They didn't know. I'm sure if they would have gone to him, he would have done the same thing. But if you don't tell people the challenge you're facing, then they don't have the opportunity and the privilege of, of partnering with you and helping you in that. And I was able to help them, and he was able to help us. And we saw the same thing with people in our church, you know, um, who would be, you know, have cancer or some disease and, and watch them get healed. And those incidents, when you watch them over time, that builds your faith. And, you know, at that time when I became a teenager and debated, am I going to have uh, become a Christian because I'm, I believe that or because my parents do? I was like, I, I, there's no way I can reject my faith. I've seen God move too many times in my life to even consider walking away and, and living in sin because, you know, this is real. I've seen God's power at work. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to point out is when it seems too hard, um, changing your mindset and thinking about this kind of growth-oriented mindset and seeing God move in your life doesn't mean that it's easier or there won't be crying or that it's wrong to pray for deliverance, right? People are in situations that can be incredibly difficult and painful, and it's not, you're not a weaker Christian if you're asking God to deliver you or you're crying out or you're in pain or suffering. Um, you know, sharing about Jesus. Jesus had no character left to build, no lesson to learn. Uh, he had horrible agony awaiting him on the cross. And he said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here, watch with me. He's crying tears of blood. Um, going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. So the takeaway is, again, it's not wrong or you're not spiritually weak by asking to be delivered. But the important part is, but not my will be done, but your will, right? It's about what God wants to do through that situation. And, and that's what's paramount. It's not us avoiding difficulty. It's us saying, God, what is your will? How do you want to use me here? And, uh, and that mindset can help us and watch how God is going to move through us in the middle of that situation. <coughs> So in Romans, it says, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say some things. It says in all things. So as we're going through these difficult times, God is going to be there with you, moving with, alongside you and working through that situation. And in Philippians, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So God is going to be with, uh, with us no matter how hopeless the situation looks or how uh, difficult it might look. Uh, he's going to be there. And again, we want to look at it from that spiritual perspective. Um, so last story I'm going to share. Uh, so this was a big faith-challenging to faith-building experience in my own life. Uh, in mid-2000s, I felt led to start a company, uh, which was called Siege Technologies, and I was praying about it, and I said, look, God, I don't want to start a company if this is my own ego trip or just because I think I'm hot to trot and I want to start this thing. I only want to do this if this is your, your will and, and something I'm committing to you. So the prayer I had uh, was, is this going to be successful? Am I going to do this? Is this really going to go and take off? And I didn't hear anything for a couple of months. And then finally, I felt like God said, yes, it is going to be successful. Go ahead. So I said, okay, started the company while I was working at BAE, did only some small business stuff because I didn't want to do anything unethical with my current job. 
and uh, I lost them. Didn't win. Nobody, nobody won. So then I wrote another one. It took like a year. Didn't win that. And my friend's like, look, man, you've got to quit your job and do this full time if it's going to take off. I don't, I don't have the money to do that. So I gave up. And I was like, I guess it's just not going to happen. And meanwhile, some things happen. I get a job somewhere else. And then I get this job at, at uh, the Defense Department running like $100 million in research programs. Can't sell my house in New Hampshire. I have to fly to D.C. each week back and forth. But it's a temporary job. So I end up back in New Hampshire. And then I start a company called Siege Technologies. And uh, we do a million dollars in revenue our first full year, and we take off from there. And that went from early on, I was like, obviously, I don't know how to pray, because I prayed, God, was this going to be successful? And guess what? It wasn't. I gave up. I took a job somewhere else, and it had not gone anywhere. And it wasn't until I started the company again years later, like probably three or four years later, and, uh, and then it took off. And I was able to look back. I was like, oh, I remember praying about that, and God saying yes, and that made me really question my ability to pray and hear from him because it didn't happen. And God doesn't lie, so obviously I didn't hear from him when I thought it was going to be a failure. But I didn't have his perspective. And he was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you trust me even when things aren't obvious. And he had to move some things around on the board to make it work out and get me this amazing job, which I was not qualified for. Um, but he got it for, gave it to me, and then I was able to start the company, and it took off. And again, this is, uh, I, I thought this message is kind of, this is not a milk type message when you're a baby taking on basic concepts. This is the kind of thing you, it takes years to learn because you have to see difficult circumstances, watch how God is moving and see the outcome on the other side and see that over and over again is what builds this pattern where you start to say, okay, I get it now. I can trust God in the middle of the situation because I've seen him time and time again meet me in the situation I'm, I'm in. And then when new situations come in, uh, I didn't share this first service, but uh, I'm being sued by a, a business deal that, you know, somebody didn't get paid and they're mad, so they're suing. And, you know, my younger days, that would have been much more scary. But now I'm like, you know what? I have no fear. I trust God, even if it's not obvious how it's going to play out. Um, you know, I ran for Senate and uh, didn't win. And people are like, how are, you, how are you doing about that? I'm like, I'm fine. Like, God called me to run. I didn't have any, I didn't put him in a box like I did last time about what the outcome would be. And uh, I just know he has a plan, and I might, it might be 20 years or it might not be in heaven until I know why I put all that time and energy in, but I trust him because I've seen him come time and time and time again. And, uh, you know, I, I, what kind of a person would I be if I didn't trust him just because things don't go the way I think? Like, I have no idea what the plan is, but I'm on board. Like, I'm just going to go and do what he wants me to do. So uh, in conclusion, you know, challenges happen for a lot of reasons, you know, whether it's God testing us or trying to get our attention or a result of our bad decisions or sin in the world, you know, there is a, an opportunity for us to grow. Um, you know, one, we have a situation we're dealing with now uh, with an investment I did that um, at a company, they were trying to recruit me. And my wife was like, you really shouldn't join that. You really shouldn't be investing. And I didn't join, which turned out to be uh, a great thing and helped to remind me to the importance of listening to your spouse. But the investment wasn't, wasn't good either. The guy's a liar and very shady. Um, and again, it was a reminder, like, I should be praying before I go into that. I should have been listening to my wife more. So sometimes the situation, uh, we build character by persevering through difficulty, but it's also learning life lessons, like spend a bunch of money you don't have, you will experience adversity when the debt collectors come. Like part of that is learning wisdom and like, oh, maybe I should not spend money I don't have and I have to make better choices in the future. 
Um, but sometimes it's something bad happens. You lost your job and you're going to see someone in the church. You share that need and then people come and bring groceries. And we've had the privilege of doing that and surprising someone with Christmas and just the emotional impact that that can have on someone when they see God moving in their lives to meet their needs when they don't expect it. Um, so the last thing I want to share is, you know, I know in my own life to master a concept, um, whether it's spiritual or academic or anything else, uh, you know, the mo- best way to learn it, you go from theory to practice, but then the next step is sharing that with others. So for me, you know, I'm, I have the privilege of sharing this today, but I would encourage any of you as you learn these things in your own life, share them with others, right? Don't keep your light in a bushel on a hill, but actually take the things that God is showing you and share them, uh, on social media, share them with a friend, and, and that is an opportunity for you to kind of put into practice some of the things that you're, you're learning about. Uh, so with that, I'm just going to uh, close us in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this weekend and um, what you're doing in our lives. I just pray that you would help us to internalize this concept and to trust you even when things look scary and difficult. And to be excited about the opportunity to watch you at work, uh, to see your supernatural hand moving Give us eyes to see the growth and the ways that you've moved in our lives in the past and in the present, uh, even when it's not obvious, and to trust you when we don't see that hand moving. And help us have wisdom and knowledge on how to share uh, what you've done in our lives and the testimony that we have with others around us. We thank you for these things and pray that you would uh, bless us and we would glorify you this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank everyone for coming today and uh, pray that you have a great week. And thank you, everyone online.